Welcome back to the Ancient World Morning Coffee Podcast. Hope you're having a great morning and a great day. Maybe good weather. So it's sunny right now. The forecast was was just cloudy the whole day, but and we had a little plan to go to kind of the nearest big town for us, which is Carlisle up here in like the Lake District of England. Um, and we didn't do that because it was so cloudy, but now the sun is out anyways. So, uh, but that is a joy and we have our great Starbucks coffee. And we are looking into a new book. So that's going to be the little chat for today. Uh, we also found a, uh, a new uh, podcast. We got a new iPad, so we're playing with new apps. And then we have a new kind of podcast set up there as well. Uh, there's a podcast called Parker's Pensies, or Ponso, uh, which is uh, very interesting as a guy talking about, with big mustache, he's talking about lots of theology and philosophy. So that's a, a little... Um, uh, recommendation for the day uh, especially he talks about he has a couple of episodes about the uh, Tolkien and and the philosophy the theology of the Lord of the Rings and Tolkien as a as a thinker as well and he has some interesting guests on so that's uh, that's something uh, to maybe look into if Tolkien is uh, something of interest uh, but then we wanted to talk about the book by uh, GK Chesterton so this is almost 100 years old. It's called The Catholic Church and Conversion. And we just started reading a couple of pages uh, yesterday or the day before, and it really caught our attention for several reasons. One thing is that Chesterton converts when he is 48 years old, uh, and then, uh, which was a surprise to, to many people because they thought he always, already had, <laughs> but, he, but he didn't. Uh, and he then becomes a Catholic. And then five years later, uh, he writes this book about conversion. We just started it, but we wanted to talk about something uh, important in the beginning. So it was published in uh, from New York, September 16th in 1926. But what we want to point to here is something about how he describes the way Catholicism was seen in England, in Britain, a hundred years ago. And this ties into something we've been talking about for for many years now, about the Anglo-American scholarship and also kind of the British scholarship on Dante's Divine Comedy. Because there are several aspects that just seem to be kind of... Um, it's kind of almost like a blind zone that they're not properly understood. Even like in the Penguin versions, you have uh, the first dream of Dante when he's lifted, he's kind of taken by the, this eagle and lifted up into the heavens and burning together with with the eagle, which is kind of the divinity symbol. And there's kind of, uh, uh, it's kind of a sort of a prophecy of, of the final moment of the whole comedy and the journey with the unification with the divine, this theosis idea, uh, which is sometimes strangely misunderstood in in uh, translations of Dante and in commentaries. That is more about the the ring of fire between the earth and the moon, or it could be something about uh, this wall of fire at the top of Mount Purgatory. But it's if you uh, we had a uh, discussion with. Um, a professor in uh, Naples, like an Italian literature professor about this, and, and he said it very straightforward that is, it is uh, like interpreted as the, the final moments of, of uh, the unity with the divine. So that's just, it's important because that dream is one of the main ideas of the whole divine comedy, and it's not that well understood in the, 
the English, British, Anglo-American scholarship. And it might be partly because of this, what we're going to read now about how Catholicism has been viewed, at least earlier, historically. So Chesterton opens with introductory, a new religion. The Catholic faith used to be called the old religion, but at the present moment, it has uh, a recognized place among the new religions. This has nothing to do with its truth or falsehood, but it is a fact that has a great deal to do with the understanding of the modern world. It would be very undesirable that modern men should accept Catholicism merely as a novelty, but it is a novelty. It does act upon its existing environment with the peculiar force and freshness of a novelty. Even those who denounce it generally denounce it as a novelty, as an innovation and not merely a survival. They talk of the advanced party in the Church of England. They talk of the aggression of the Church of Rome. Just a side point, this this also has lots of historical reasons with uh, Henry VIII as well and, and the split f- with England out of the Catholic Church. And, and uh, it, It's a complicated picture, also in terms of just uh, earlier politics in history. But then he continues, when they talk of an extremist, they are as likely to mean a ritualist as a socialist. Given any normal, respectable Protestant family, Anglican or Puritan, in England or America, we shall find that Catholicism is actually, for practical purposes, treated as a new religion, that is, a revolution. It is not a survival. It is not, in that sense, an antiquity. And then he's he's quickly, like Chesterton, is is very often funny uh, as well. So he (laughs) he talks about, like, the fears of, of parents when they send their children, like, out into the world. Um, that the children are breaking away uh, and then they can go off into uh, various directions after various faiths and fashions, which he would call fads. So talking about like the father of, like a typical father, one of his sons will become a socialist and hang up a portrait of Lenin. One of his daughters will become a spiritualist and play with a planquette. Another daughter will go over to Christian science and it is likely that another son will go over to Rome. The point is, for the moment, that from the point of view of the father, and even in a sense of the family, all these things act after the manner of new religions, of great movements, of enthusiasms that carry young people off their feet and leave older people bewildered or annoyed. Uh, Catholicism, indeed, even more than the others, as it uh, is, is often spoken of as if it were actually one of the wild, wild passions of youth. So this is just so interesting. This is a, he wrote this a hundred years ago and how, how it was seen at the time. Uh, optimistic aunts and uncles say that the youth will get over it, in quotation marks, as if it were a childish love affair or that unfortunate business with the, with the barmaid. Okay, and then... Um, just gonna have a couple of more short ones there. So Newman, like uh, John uh, Henry Newman, like the Saint Newman now, uh, the very, very famous uh, Anglican convert into Catholicism, uh, also one of the favorites of, for example, Bishop Barron these days, or like for, for current uh, kind of uh, commentary and podcasts and YouTube videos and so on. Uh, so remar- uh, New- uh, sorry, Newman remarks quite naturally, as if there was nothing odd about it at the time, that an under graduate found with an ascetic manual or a book of monastic meditations was under a sort of cloud or taint 
as having been caught with a bad book, in quotation marks, in his possession. He had been wallowing in the sensual pleasure of nuns or inflaming his lusts by contemplating an incorrect number of candles. Uh, and then, last quote for today, uh, the worthy merchant of the middle class, the worthy farmer of the Middle West, when he sends his son to college, does now feel a faint alarm lest the boy should fall among thieves in the sense of communists, but he has the same sort of fear lest he should fall among Catholics. So uh, so that is just the opening pages of this book by John, uh, sorry, with G.K. Chesterton, uh, which is then again called uh, simply, uh, just get it right here, uh, The Catholic Church and Conversion. We're going to put a link in the description to um, a great old edition on archive.org that's very easy to download and again the book is very short just like in this like these are small pages and this is just a hundred pages of them so um we're going to enjoy reading through this book and then ponder both catholicism how it was seen a hundred years ago uh how it how this kind of in some sense the latin culture of catholicism as well blends into or mixes with the the more british anglican or anglo-saxon culture and um also, it really sheds a light again, to go back to the beginning, about how uh, the scholarship on Dante is uh, in some ways uh, somewhat lacking in the spiritual understanding of the Divine Comedy. It's made very secular for many reasons, also because of like, secularization in academia uh, in general, but, but it is uh, at times almost stunning like what is being missed in terms of understanding the deeper layers of the Divine Comedy. So that was about 10 minutes. We're going to keep the, these maximum at 10 minutes. But um, it's a great morning. It's kind of a paradise up here when the sun is out and you can see the river and the sunlight is blinking in the river and you have the mountains in the horizon. And uh, we have a great cup of coffee. And uh, just want to say again, thank you for uh, the feedback uh, yesterday on the episode, uh, especially to our good friends, uh, Tom LA Books, and to also Sean at Mythos and Logos, and to everybody else who's listening as well. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in and see you again in the next episode.